it is to see you here in the house of the Lord. Let's sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Stand and let's worship together. in this room. Amen? Please be seated. You may be seated. Welcome, church family and iCampus viewers and those of you watching by simulcast in other parts of our campus, how we have looked forward to this day for so long. It is your presence, along with the presence of the Lord, that makes this day amazing. Welcome. Connect with us. Help us get to know you better. No matter if you're present here with us or watching with us on some screen somewhere, follow the links and complete the online connection card. If we can pray for you, 
Complete the prayer request section on those cards for us. More than any day, especially in recent months, we remember the faithfulness of God. Sing with us strongly today. I know you've been seated, but we want to hear you sing. Let's stand and worship together again. We will remember.
Amen. Aren't you glad for the Lord to be with us today? It's good to see, it, it is good to see you. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, most Sundays, um, I'm just sitting over there, kind of waiting to preach. It is weird. All of you guys have been up here and done the First Baptist TV show every Sunday for eight weeks. And it's good to have people here because this is church when we gather together for corporate worship. And we know a lot of you can't be with us just yet, and that's perfectly fine, but we look forward to the day when you will join us. Because as Psalm 122.1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we're glad today. We're glad to be in God's house with God's people and be able to worship. And um, what a blessing it's been. We've, we've done well these last eight weeks. Um, and we couldn't have done it without the guys back behind the booth that you never saw, 
but Danny and Fred and, and Thomas have helped put what's here out there and we want to make sure if, if you see them be sure to say a word of thanks to them not just what happens on Sunday but all during the week but God has been so good to us and we want to go to him in prayer this morning to just thank him for bringing us through so far and to ask him to continue bringing us through so that one day we'll all be back together again and the panic will be over and so let's gather together Lord we come before you this morning and we are grateful for your presence Lord, your presence never left. Your presence is in every home that's watching right now. Your presence is here. But God, there's something about when your people gather in your name that you're there. You say that. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And it's even multiplied when we get together and gather in corporate worship. So Lord, we're grateful for your presence. Lord, we lift you up and exalt you today. And we ask God that you would move in our midst in a very special way this morning. Lord, right here at 901 Main Street and Lord, in every home that's watching right now, we ask God that your presence would be felt in a very special way, in a unique way. Lord, you are our hope. You are our peace. You are the one who will bring uh, the end of the panic and the pandemic. And Lord, you are the one who will bring the end of the politics behind a lot of it. And Lord, we pray that also through all of this, you will bring awakening to our nation and to our world. Lord, let it begin with us. Lord, we draw a circle around us this morning and we say, God, let revival begin in me. Lord, you've already been stirring in a lot of us. Lord, I pray that it just kindles as we get together, as when one ember is joined with another and they, they get hotter and hotter until a fire burst forth. God, we pray that that would happen as your church begins to regather, Lord, here in our sister churches throughout central Louisiana and even, yes, God, even around the world, we pray that you would bring awakening, Lord. We celebrate you and we exalt you, God, as our living hope today. Move and reign is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank the Lord so much that he is our living hope. And I ask you to turn in your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, as we continue our series, Praying Through the Dots. And so far in this series, we have looked at the opening clause of that prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. We've also looked at the petition, the very first one, Hallowed be your name. And we come now to the second petition, Your kingdom come. When I first heard this petition as a child, and as I would hear it so often in my eight years of Catholic school with weekly mass, um, I would have a mental image in my mind whenever we said, your kingdom come. Now, it was a kid's image, but I envisioned a giant castle descending from heaven and then crash landing right there in front of me. It was like, your kingdom come. Boom. Now, why I pictured that, I'm not sure. Sometimes Rebecca says I was a stupid little kid, apparently. But I, I guess it was just my own way of trying to make sense of the petition. For, I mean, after all, the only kingdoms I knew about were in books, including the Bible, were on movies, or were on the television news. And in my imagination, even the real kingdoms of our world were somewhat fantasy. I envisioned massive castles with moats and knights and horses and crowns and jewels. So when I prayed, your kingdom come, I just inserted King Jesus right where legendary King Arthur or biblical King David went. His kingdom must come from heaven. So if I'm praying for his kingdom to come, it must come down to the same trumpet fanfare I heard on all the Disney movies. Crash! In case you've been praying for a giant castle to come crashing down on your head during the Lord's Prayer, today, let's try to understand what we're actually praying for here when we pray, your kingdom come. Let's clarify that a kingdom first is not a castle. <laughs> a castle may be the headquarters of the kingdom. It may be the home of the king. 
But the castle is not the kingdom. The word kingdom, of course, refers to the territory ruled by the king. He is sovereign over that realm. What he says goes. Everyone serves him. In many ways, everything belongs to him. Now, we have a hard time understanding the concept of a kingdom here in America because we don't live in one. Here in the United States, no one person is sovereign. No one leader or even group of leaders is the supreme leader. We, the people, can tell any of them to go home at the next election. However, a king is sovereign. He has total authority to rule. We Americans balk at that kind of power, and and we should. When Israel first wanted a king, God warned them about the corruption that could come from a human king. Now, of course, they stubbornly forged ahead, as we humans often do, even when God warns us, and they got their king And it wasn't long before they experienced everything about which God had warned them, even in their best human kings. When it comes to God, however, we should not balk at his sovereignty. God is a perfect ruler. Unlike a human king, God cannot become corrupt. God is not greedy because he owns everything. God is not on a power trip. Because he already is all-powerful. God is not narcissistic or paranoid because nobody can touch him. And God certainly doesn't have a Napoleon complex because he is huge. (laughs) God is perfectly balanced. He is perfectly capable of perfect rule. Therefore, we pray, your kingdom come. And when we do, we desire his rule. Now, as with the first petition, hallowed be your name, there is far more in this petition, your kingdom come, than meets the eye. In fact, for centuries, scholars have debated exactly what all Jesus meant by these three words. And that's because there is a past and a present and a future tense to God's kingdom. When we turn to the Old Testament, especially the Psalms, we find that the Old Testament people viewed God as their king. They viewed him as reigning. For example, Psalm 97.1 declares, the Lord reigns. So there must be a kingdom of God. But then we turn to the New Testament and we find John the Baptist proclaiming, as he does in Matthew 3.2, the kingdom of God is at hand. Then Jesus comes on the scene. And Mark 1.14 tells us he preached a similar message. And, and then we know that he spent much of his ministry talking about parables that begin with, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of the Father is like. And we get the idea that the kingdom has come in Jesus, but then Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. Like there's a future coming. So which is it? Has God's kingdom always been? Has God's kingdom come already? Is God's kingdom still to come in the future? Well, yes, yes, and yes. D, all of the above. God does reign, and he has always done so. And yes, with the commencement of Jesus' ministry here on earth, the kingdom began to grow and expand. And yes, there is a final commencement of God's kingdom in the end. Even Jesus spoke of this past, present, and future idea of his kingdom. And this, I think, is where we find the power punch for this petition. Because if the kingdom was and the kingdom is, and the kingdom is to come, then it permeates all of life, it permeates all of time, and it even permeates all of eternity. And so to pray this prayer is huge. Your kingdom come is a simple petition. And people make that petition millions of times a year without any serious intention of having it happen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
No. When we pray this prayer, when we mean it, there are huge implications, so huge that they impact the entire world and all of eternity. If you want to pray bigger prayers, pray your kingdom come. And here's why that petition is so powerful. Because when we pray Jesus' rule, we pray that his rule may come in us. God's kingdom coming begins with our own conversion to Christ, our own repentance of sin and and confession of Jesus as our Savior and Lord. In conversion, we humble ourselves to the rulership of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, the disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child, and he had him stand there, and Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We must humble ourselves. Our prayer for God's kingdom to come anywhere else is worthless if his kingdom has not come first in us. Paul exclaimed in Romans 14, 17 that the kingdom of God is evident in us as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That means God's kingdom comes today whenever and wherever God's righteousness, peace, and joy transform a life and bring about the fullness of spiritual blessing. So the question is, is that true of you? Do you live in righteousness Do you have peace? Do you have joy in the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit manifesting those traits in you? If not, perhaps you need to pray first for God's kingdom to come in you for salvation. Or maybe you are saved, but you know that you've drifted. And the the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit are not as, as prevalent as they should be. And so your prayer then needs to be, your kingdom come afresh in me. We pray Jesus' rule may come in us that we might be converted. To go any further in praying this petition, Jesus must first be your king. You must start there. But once Jesus is your king and his kingdom has come in you, then you can pray deeper. And we pray Jesus' rule may come around us. You see, if Jesus is king in your heart, then he's going to be king of your life. That means your kingdom becomes his kingdom. You abdicate the throne of your life and allow him to come and take control. But that's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to get off the throne of our life. I I like what one writer said. From our earliest childhood, we believe we are king of our own castle. We determine our own destinies. We arrange our own affairs. We govern our own lives. We become supreme specialists in selfish, self-centered living where all of life revolves around the epicenter of me, I, and mine. We say... Jesus, you can be king of this part of my life, but not all of this part of my life. This is your realm. This is my realm. And we deem some things secular and some things sacred. We deem that the things of church and spending time with the Lord. Those are sacred. And then all the other stuff of life is secular. And Jesus does the sacred stuff and we do the secular stuff. But you see, there's always way more secular stuff than there is sacred stuff. And if Jesus is your king, and if his kingdom has come in you, then his kingdom comes around you That means there's no difference in sacred and secular. For everything in your life has now become sacred. 
Because everything around you is now part of his kingdom. And he is sovereign and he rules it all. He owns it all. Therefore, nothing in your life is sacred. It's all sacred. It's it's nothing secular. It's all sacred. The moment Jesus rules in you, he stakes his claim around you. And everything in your life is marked holy to the Lord. Your life, your house, your car your job, your hobbies, your possessions, your finances, everything within your realm is now his realm. And when Jesus' rule comes around us, everything changes. When we have a keen sense of Jesus' presence and rule in and around us, our entire outlook changes, our attitudes change, our activities even change. Because when we are finding Jesus ruling in us, we're converted. But when he rules around us, We're consecrated. Our consecration to God changes the petitions of our prayers. Have you ever realized that, you know, too often we ask God to allow our whims to rule in heaven than for his will to rule on earth? While our petitions and our whims aren't altogether petty, they do reflect our petition of what is, quote, good because without even considering how our lives or our suffering or our circumstances might be used for the glory of God we allow our inner drive for lives of ease to direct our request but when Jesus rules in us and around us our prayers finally start focusing beyond me mine mine to you your and yours We realize that if Jesus is in charge, me, mine, and mine are going to be fine. But he's got to be in charge. We may not understand everything that happens. We may not agree with everything that he lets happen. But we will be confident that no matter what happens, Jesus is on his throne. Is that true of you? Is Jesus ruling around you? Have you written holy to the Lord above everything in your life. And that's hard to do too. It may need to be a daily practice. It may need to be a every hour practice. But you must relinquish rule of your own life to allow God by his indwelling Holy Spirit to decide for you what you should do. But you know, his rule doesn't just impact your decisions. It, it impacts every part of your life. If your life is God's kingdom then you'll, you'll want to make sure that everything in that kingdom is guarded. And it becomes your business to guard that kingdom. And so you don't want anything to enter the kingdom that will hurt or offend the king. So that means you'll watch the eye gates and the ear gates into your life. What you watch and listen will be guarded you'll watch what you say you'll watch where you go you'll watch what you post because if everything is holy unto the Lord then everything needs to be kept that way here's a, a, a really extreme rule of thumb but I think it gets across the point if you wouldn't show it on the big screens in here If you wouldn't play it over the loud system in here, why are you watching it or listening to it? Now, that's extreme, but that's a good rule of thumb, isn't it? If you wouldn't want Jesus to go with you to do that, then why are you going there? Because he's going with you anyway. Do you you want to know the basic difference between a defeated, dismal Christian and a victorious, vibrant Christian? It's the true rule and reign of Jesus in their life. Because Jesus removes so much of the trials that we focus on. The challenges are still there. The the struggles still come. But Jesus is in charge. And he rules. Not all that stuff. I read a powerful statement this week by Leanne McCoy. She says, prayer is not about us getting stuff from God, 
Prayer is not about us being rescued from every natural consequence of our sin. Prayer is not a tool to be used in our American pursuit of happiness. Prayer is about God's power reigning supreme in and through the lives of his children so that the world will recognize him rising above the muck and mire of this sin-filled life. See, we've had the wrong idea about prayer. We've had the wrong idea. It's been to build up our kingdom, but no, it's about building up God's kingdom so that people can see that happening and be drawn to him. And so here we see the powerful progression of this prayer. Because when God rules in us, his rule comes around us. But then it goes even farther as we pray, Jesus' rule may come through us. Jesus' role when he rules in us is conversion. And when he rules in us, then he's going to rule around us. But then as he is in total control of our kingdom, he begins to rule through us. And that is commission. When you pray your kingdom come, there's a strong missionary impulse to that prayer. We want to see the gospel extended around the world. We want to see Jesus' rule to not just come in our lives and our family, but to the lives of all of those around us and even those on the other side of the world. We become ambassadors of Christ because we know how good and pleasant it is to live with the Lord. And we want other people to enjoy that same privilege. We know how good it is to have our sins forgiven, and we want them to experience that as well. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, God's kingdom came powerfully into their lives and instantly began working around them and through them. In Acts 1-8, Jesus had told the disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And that power would be to be witnesses throughout the world. And instantly, on that particular day, they started to do that. Christians today do the same thing. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we proclaim the saving power of Jesus Christ. Encouraging people to abdicate the throne of their lives and to allow Jesus to take their place. We take that same message to our city and to our state and to our nation and even to the world. God gives men and women in whom Jesus Christ is present a winsome and righteous character that can be observed and even desired by others. As his rule is established in us and around us, and as his righteousness, peace, and joy fills us and flows out of our lives, God begins working through us to establish his kingdom in others. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of the expansion of God's kingdom. It's thrilling to talk with a lost person and show them the way of salvation and have them trust Jesus as their Savior. It is thrilling to talk with a Christian who's been trying to grow in their relationship with the Lord, but they've realized that Jesus isn't ruling everything, and they're trying to keep hold of some stuff. And when they finally say, you know what? I'm getting off the throne, and I want Jesus to come in on the throne, and their life is transformed. When Jesus gets on the throne, hearts are mended. Oppression is broken. Addiction is destroyed. Relationships are healed. Salvation occurs. Repentance happens. And why does such radical change come? Because where Jesus rules, Satan cannot. Oh, he can do his best <laughs> to discourage us and to harm us and to tempt us and to challenge us and to make life aggravating at times. But he cannot rule. He cannot push Jesus off the throne. Satan cannot win because he is defeated. Satan cannot win because Jesus has already won. So when Satan comes against you, just look back to Jesus. The more people who come to Jesus, the more of this world is put under Jesus' authority instead of Satan's authority. And what a lesson that is for us all. The way to cure the problems of this world is not through more laws. We can't keep up with the laws we have. 
The way to cure the problems of this world is not through the latest, greatest methods of education. They change those every two or three years. The only way to change the problems of this world is through Jesus Christ. And that rule is extended through his people. When we pray your kingdom come, we are praying that through us the world might be changed. That we are spurred on then by the hope we have as we look to the future. And so not only are we praying that Jesus' rule might come in us and around us and through us, but we pray Jesus' rule may come beyond us. And that's looking forward to the consummation. We've had conversion, consecration, commission, ultimately consummation. One day God's kingdom will come fully in power in the personal rule of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of history. This coming to the kingdom of God will bring about the full reign of God. That's when everything changes. No more death, no more dying, no more tears. Everything's together. All is peace, all is well. Satan's banished to hell forever, and Jesus shall reign. What a glorious day that will be. But this praying for Jesus' rule to come beyond us is not a weird, mere wish in the sky by and by. It too revolutionizes our life here and now. Because praying for the coming kingdom prevents a Christian from being so focused on this present life that he neglects to prepare for the next. It empowers a believer to live selflessly now with the awareness that enormous blessings and reward await in the future. Prayer for the coming kingdom reminds the believer that God's work is not finished and the best is really yet to come. So when we pray your kingdom come, we're at one moment recognizing the fact that God's ultimate rule is simply a matter of time and we're also committing to participate in seeing it unfold before our eyes. Your kingdom come is not a a fairy tale castle descending from heaven to the fanfare of Disney trumpets. It is the rule of Jesus in your life, around your life, through your life, and even beyond your life. It's a powerful petition. Don't just say, your kingdom come. Don't just drag by it. Stop and think about the rule of Jesus and what would happen if that happens. To pray your kingdom come sounds a lot like what Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary, writes. He says the prayer sounds like this. I want your kingdom, not mine. I want your name to be honored, not mine. I want every sphere of life to begin looking as it will look in the new creation. In my family, work, recreation, and education, I want your kingdom to be present. In the battle for the souls of men and women, I ask you, my Father, to deploy your troops among the nations. Equip your soldiers to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, as we advance your kingdom. Friends, that ain't no droning on prayer. That is a focus on God's rule and reign in, around, through, and beyond us. May we pray, God, convert me, consecrate me, commission me as I look forward to the consummation of everything that you will do in your kingdom. Lord Jesus, rule. Lord Jesus, reign. Lord Jesus, make a difference. Establish your throne in me, around me, through me, and beyond. Lord, we thank you for this simple model prayer that you gave 2,000 years ago that sadly so often we've missed the power punches behind. Lord, I pray that you would invigorate our prayer life as we use this prayer as a model. I pray, God, that when we pray your kingdom come, we'd be serious about it. 
And that, God, we'd say, let it begin in me. Lord, right now in this room and and watching online, there may be those who have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. You're not on the throne of their life. I don't have to convince them of that. They know that. Your Holy Spirit's convicting them right now. Lord, it may be that they've never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, and, and, and you've never been on the throne at all. And so, God, right now, I, help, I pray that they would come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. God, right now in this room or watching online, I pray that that person would pray, Lord Jesus, come and reign in me. Right now, I'm getting off the throne of my life, Lord, and I'm allowing you to get on. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior, but Lord, also be my Lord. Be my King. Be my Master. Lord, I pray that a a radical transformation would happen in those people's lives right now. And Lord, I also pray for believers in this room and watching online who realize that a lot of the time we're half on the throne and half off of it. Or too often we've relegated huge chunks of our life into that secular category and we've told Jesus hands off. Lord, I pray that right now we'd bring all of it into your realm. We'd submit everything in our lives before you. Lord, if we've said you can't have, you can't go there, you can't be a part of that, there's a problem with whatever that is. And so, Lord, we pray that we would consecrate it to you. Lord, if that means we get rid of it, help us to get rid of it. If it means we change it, help us to change it. But, Lord, help us to be right with you today so that you can reign supreme. You are an amazing king and master. Help us, Lord, to submit to your rule in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Even though we're back together, social distancing requirements say we can't have a normal invitation. So here's what we're going to do. If you're watching online, continue to respond to the invitation by using the decision card that's available as a link. Those of you in this room could even do that as well. It's on our church website. But if there is a decision that you want to make today and you're in this room, what I'd ask you to do is just in the next song, make your way into the choir room. And I'll be watching for those that go, and then I'll meet with you there as soon as the service ends. And that way we can maintain social distancing. We feel like it's important to have a time of invitation, even if we can't have it like we normally would do so. So as we stand and sing this song of of invitation and praise and worship, if there's a decision that the Lord has made in your heart, be sure to fill out that card online or make your way to the choir room, and we'll continue to worship together.
Amen. Praise the Lord today. It is so good to see you all here today. Thank you for being here. The Lord has been honored by your presence, and I sure am glad to see you. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I just want to encourage you. The staff just wants to say a great word of thanks. Thank you for being so faithful in watching and in participating online, and thank you for being faithful in your giving. The giving has been strong, and we're so grateful, and we give all of the glory to the Lord because of that. Amen. We're just so thankful for that. Please continue. Yeah. Praise the Lord for that. We've been able to do some amazing things in the midst of all this because of your faithfulness. Please continue to do so. You may do so today as you leave. You can always give online even when it's not a Sunday. You can even give online. And so we're thankful for that today. Karen Lafargue, come and pray for us today as we close our service. Father in heaven, what a glorious day this has been to be in your house, to be together with your people, and we are called by your name. Oh Lord, we celebrate the regathering, even though, Lord, we really have not separated because we are all together with you. Father, we thank you for the message that our pastor has spoken what are we going to do with that message? Are we going to leave it in the pew? Are we going to allow Holy Spirit to take the keys to every door within our heart, within our lives, and give him the keys and say, you open it and you take care of the things that I don't want you to see. Father, we all pray for a great awakening, but without repentance, that will never happen. So, Father, we ask for a mighty outpouring, as our pastor has so passionately shared. We ask for a mighty outpouring of your spirit in this church, in this nation, within our families. And it can only be through you, Lord. So I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time together. I bless your name. Amen.